December of 2021 was Coach Otzelberger's first Cyhawk game. And in that game, would Otz be content with just beating the team out east? No, he would not. Instead, the 2021 squad, led by Isaiah Brockington, would obliterate our rivals with a 20-point margin of victory. Otz's first time at the helm set a Cyhawk series record for largest win. Fast forward two years to last night. Otz's roster looks drastically different, with the lone exception of Robert Jones, but the result is the same. In Iowa State's 600th win at Hilton Coliseum, a 20-point margin of victory was not satisfactory. No. This team, yet again, set a record for largest margin of victory, defeating the team out east by dropping a 90-piece on them and winning by 25. The game was so dominant, in fact, that ESPN's announcers dubbed this game the Hilton Massacre. Let that be a name that Cyclone Nation never forgets. Today is December 8th. 2023. I'm Matt Menson, and welcome to the Cornfield Sports Pod. As always, I'd like to bring in my co-host, Blake Peterson. Always, always, always. Now, going back to the ESPN announcers, they they stayed silent through a great portion of the game. because You weren't going to hear them. Yeah, exactly. The crowd was so loud. Like, it was great. They like they found no point in trying in trying to talk. Is is like we're just we're just gonna let these guys. Well, you, it's hard to. Well, I mean, when they talk into the mics and they can't even be heard because the crowd is drowning them out so much, that says something. The environment there was so so good last night. Yeah. It was amazing. I wonder if they even needed like a shot like a shotgun mic because you know we have to use those like whenever we're filming we're filming a game. Not but, sure, uh, but uh, I feel like. I feel like the announcer mics just do the job just for that. Yeah, no, it was the the environment of the game was just absolutely spectacular. I mean, letting in all the students an extra hour and a half early too. That is so nuts. Like whenever I first heard that, I'm like, understandably because they need to like, like a get well, they need to count everybody off because yeah. they weren't going to be able to let everybody into the building. But I mean, to let all of the students be rowdy inside the building for an extra hour and a half game that's like some psychological warfare type of mm-hmm. stuff right there that's what that is i mean did did the did the hilton people have it coming i mean i don't know but we'll uh it doesn't really matter because we beat the hawks and we that's beat, what matters we beat the hawks but to anyone who camped out in front of hilton whether that's for women's basketball or men's basketball you truly define the d1 college experience you are tenacious in every way, and we are so happy to have every single one of you. So that's my appreciation. Dude, it was that was such a great environment. And, I mean, the line, too, was a fantastic environment. Mm-hmm. We're all out there having a good time. It's better than, you know, sitting in your dorm or your apartment Dude, waiting for the game. I mean, it's so much fun when you can go out there and, you know, hang out with your group before the game. Exactly. And it's it's basically a tailgate, you know, except in, it's in a line and – Instead of in a parking spot, but aside from that, it's basically the same thing. And I mean, that's just that's the way to pregame these these games. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic, and I mean, you just can't trade it for anything. I know. Shoutouts to Cody for starting it all with women's basketball, dude. That was amazing. Um, but let's let's dive into the basketball itself. Uh, before this game, go back a little bit earlier in the week, uh, the Associated Press, is they're sleeping on Iowa State right now. They did not even receive a single vote in the last poll. Now, the coaches' poll did give Iowa State 23 votes. 
So they are on the radar. But the Associated Press is just missing right now. And after a dominant win on national TV over a Power 5 team, or I guess Power 6 team because it's basketball and not football, but that's... I would not be shocked to see Iowa State ranked on Sunday when the next uh, poll comes out. Um, yeah. And then, of course, dominant W versus the team out east. Absolutely. I mean, 90 to 65. I already said that's 25-point margin of victory, largest in Cyhawk history. It was absolutely amazing. Keyshawn nope. Gilbert played the game of his life. He scored, was it 20, 24, 25 points, something like that? I think so. Also, Robert Robert Jones, like, playing my favorite game that I've seen that I've seen him play in. Bob Jones, they had no, had no answer for Bob Jones or Trey King or Keyshawn Gilbert. Mm-mm. There was nothing that they could do to stop them. All three of them were playing amazing games. And they were more physical by a lot. Um, they have the size matchups in Iowa State's favor. I mean, all Iowa could really do to even try to slow them down was kind of hack at them, which mm-hmm. explains why the foul numbers were what they were. There wasn't really a whole lot that Iowa could even do on defense in this game. Nah. The foul trouble was very noticeable. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the foul trouble was noticeable, but, I mean, there's a reason for that. There wasn't a whole lot that Iowa could do to size us up on defense and you know play clean defense the way that you would want to. Um, He's having a little mic problems if, if you're noticing that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're going to be in this next week. Uh, we'll be playing Prairie View A&M. Um, it'll be the first of four games versus no-name teams no-name in teams. a row yeah. in December. Um, Florida A&M and Eastern Illinois and New Hampshire are all going to follow it up. Yeah. Um, Record padding won't hurt us before the Big Twelve Conference. Oh no, no, we'll take we'll take what we can get. Mm-hmm. No, some some free wins will be nice, mm-hmm. especially. Uh, it'll look it'll make us look a lot better going into March. Uh, definitely could boost our seating and give us a better chance at uh, advancing later on. So yeah. I will gladly take it for what it is. Would you consider last night to be a free win? Practically, <laughs> practically speaking, it was basically a free win. Iowa's not the team that they have been in the past, but when they don't have someone named Luca Garza or someone with the last name Murray on their roster, uh, they didn't have a star to turn to. They didn't really have anybody that was there that could carry the team for them, and they didn't really have any sort of cohesiveness. They didn't have anything bonding that team together last night, whereas Iowa State just had everybody on fire. If you wanted to go to Bob, you could go to Bob. You wanted to go to Trey, you could go to Trey. You want to go to Keyshawn, you can go to Keyshawn. Taman didn't play a bad game either. Oh, no, he didn't. I mean, it was just a fantastic game all around from our boys in the Cardinal and Gold. Mm-hmm. One second, Taman, Taman's on the ground. We can, we can hear the thud from the, from the upper deck. Next thing you know, he's, he's, playing, he's, he's, catch, he's catching a ball all, all the way to the back of his head. He throws, throws it to Gilbert. That was an amazing play. And that's that's a sports center top ten right there. Oh, it definitely needs to be. That was a brilliant, brilliant play. Yeah. And some of the buckets that Keyshawn and Trey were making last night were the kind of shots. You just don't see people make those shots because they were so insanely hard, but they were falling for them. Mm-hmm. And you can't just you can't replicate that. When they're falling, they're falling. And the boys were just on it last night. 
another 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 play I wanted to point out was uh, after Bob Jones was was shooting free throws, all of a sudden, all of a sudden we take it out of bounds because I think it was flagrant. And then uh, next next thing you know, Big Rob Energy, Robert Jones under under the basket in for the dunk. I was like, this game's over. Yeah, no, it was great. That was the only dunk Iowa State had on the night, even though we mm-hmm. outnumbered them like. 40-something to 16 or something like that in points in the paint. It was crazy. The points in the paint, especially, yeah. The point in the paint, the points in the paint differential was so absurd. I mean, they didn't even have their second two-point bucket until like 13 minutes into the game. Mm. They were completely surviving off of threes alone in the first half. And once those stopped falling for them, it was all over. Iowa State completely ran away with this game. And what was crazy is like even during the second half, Ott's still looked unhappy because he's like, yeah, we should have been holding him to less points. Yeah, I mean, that's – I love Otz for that. He's always striving to be better. Nah, he, he always makes he always makes moves on the court. It's like – Yeah, he does. He's, he's always striving to be, you know, performing every little bit better, though. And, I mean, that's what you want from a coach, to, to always be able to, you know, take a look at something good and find a way to make it even better because mm-hmm. that's how you become the best, taking the good and making it better. Um, let's go to women's basketball real quick. Please. Um, earlier in the week, they had a win versus UNC Wilmington. I mean, yeah. we can talk about that for a minute. Our girls played good in that one. Mm-hmm. It was against nobodies, but they played good. I mean, yeah, we can. We can need that one to, to get our minds off of uh, the non-con tournament. Yeah, that uh, the South Point shootout didn't go well, and UNC Wilmington was a nice bounce-back game to get a win, but uh, that bounce-back did not last particularly long because mm-hmm. Wednesday night was a rough game. No. But you have to give it to our squad of young players. They kept the game close. You have to give it to them. They kept the game a lot closer than I thought mm-hmm. that they were going to. Um. I didn't – it was an ugly game. It was an ugly game. It was slow. It didn't really seem like the kind of game that you wanted to see out of either – that either team wanted to see. No. Um, I think both teams probably wanted to play that game a little faster, and it's just the way it went. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Emily Ryan still being out was – that was painful for this team. I, I think that if Emily Ryan had been playing, that we probably would have won this game. But, uh, yeah, um, there was one point, fourth quarter, though. This was one of the most aggravating moments I have ever seen in college basketball, uh, women's or men's, any other situation. This was the officials just not even knowing the rules. Because on four consecutive possessions, they called defensive fouls on Iowa State while we were on offense, which – I don't know how you do that. How do you make that mistake even once, let alone four times in a row? It was pathetic. And most middle school refs can do better than that. It's just That is an absolute, absolute shame. Um, but I don't, I don't want to waste too much time on that. Um, Caitlin Clark, I'm going to be honest, this is the first time I've watched her in person. I don't enjoy watching her. I really don't. I'd say like, me neither. I, under- I understand the Caitlin Clark height because she's a better shooter than anybody else. But outside of being a good shooter, 
to be honest, I really wasn't that impressed. No, there's really nothing. Because like you see clip after clip of like of like things that go against her, and then and then she she's just she's just not she's the poster child for special privileges. I mean, nobody else is gonna get away with traveling in the paint as much as she does. Nobody else is gonna get away with hooking and holding as much as she does. It's absolutely absurd what they let her get away with. And then anything that goes her way or that doesn't go her way, if she gets benched for even one minute, she's telling she she gets benched. And as she's walking to the bench, she tells Coach Bluter to put her back in. I'm sorry, you don't do that. That's that's poor sportsmanship. That's that's a that's a lot of disrespect to your coach. You don't tell your coach how to coach. That's not that's not your decision to make. You don't do that. And Caitlin Clark is I, I know there's a lot of young girls that are looking up to Caitlin Clark as a role model. They should not be. Caitlin Clark is a poor sport. She has a lot of the success that she does because she gets away with things that other players wouldn't get away with because she's the media's golden goose. So I, I don't have a whole lot of respect for that. The, 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 the sport deserves better because she's, she's not a good sport about it. You speak for you speak for a lot of us, yeah. Especially, especially people here at this university. Yes, um, but yeah, I don't. I don't want to spend too much time dwelling on uh, that ugly game. They'll uh, they're against Troy on Sunday evening. In Troy, yeah. Let's go back to good news. Uh, wrestling, Cliff Keen, Las Vegas invite. Uh, we did win the team title. Yes, on twenty-four matches with bonus points, we fared very well at the CK invite, um, and it was highlighted by Younger Bastida winning the individual heavyweight title over third-ranked Michigan's Lucas Davison. Um, but as far as those twenty-four matches with bonus points, uh, five of them were falls, eight tech falls, eleven majors. They were out to score points today, and that's – well, not today. That was last weekend. They were out to score points, and that's exactly what they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of top ten matchups. There's a lot of good teams that get invited to this tournament. So um, Evan Frost placing second, losing to uh, first-ranked Kai Oren. Wild Feldkamp placing second, losing to number one-ranked Parker Keckheisen. It's – you're going to struggle to beat either one of those two wrestlers. And getting second to them is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. It makes you look really well. And as long as you're competitive against them and not getting pinned or teched, that's, you can mark that essentially as a quality loss. Oh, yeah. Um, David Carr, unfortunately, did not take the title, uh, only getting third. He did lose to number four, Julian Ramirez. Uh, but he did win in the consolation final uh, for that third-place bout. Uh, against Cameron Amin, who's number second ranked. This is going to make the 165-pound rankings interesting. I'm not really sure what exactly they're going to do with this. It'll, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what ends up actually happening. Um, Casey Swiderski uh, had losses to uh, second-ranked Kyle Parco and fourth-ranked Dylan D'Amelio. Uh, and Anthony Ekamendia had a loss to top-ranked Lachlan McNeil and number fifth-ranked Kale Happel. He did have a win uh, by fall over ninth-ranked Cleveland Belton, 
and a major decision win over seventh-ranked Vince Cornella. Uh, and then MJ Gaetan uh, had losses to third-ranked Cade DeVos and seventh-ranked Austin Murphy. Uh, and he also had a win by medical forfeit over the top-ranked Shane Griffith, so uh, he didn't, you know, really get a true win out of it, but no. it'll show up on his record, I guess. Yeah, well, I just like how we're staying dominant, especially after the Seahawks loss. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's a lot of top-10 matchups. It really and is. getting to face that kind of competition at this point in the year. Um, we got a few more duels yet before we get into the heart of conference play mm-hmm. but uh it's gonna be it's gonna be good they got a series of duels here coming up in like a week and a half or something like that it's on a monday uh next monday not three days from now mm-hmm. but they're gonna be consecutive duels three of them in the same day and they're all gonna be streaming on rockfin so hopefully they perform well against them they're gonna be having duels against some pretty high ranked teams i don't remember who all was uh, in that, I think Cornell was one of them, though. So that should be yeah. that should be an interesting duel. Um, but uh, Blake, I believe it's time for uh, high speed wins. And high speed wins. I so, love high speed wins. We do love high speed wins. Uh, Give me some high speed wins. First of all, let's take let's take a little snippet at volleyball. I know this knows not much with volleyball going on, but Nayeli Gonzalez gets Midwest Freshman of the Year. Add that, yep, that's, add that to the ever-growing honors. Yes, that's pretty much all there is with uh, Nayeli right now. Yes. Um, or with the rest of the volleyball team right now with the uh, season being done. Um, Let's add that to the ever-growing list of honors that she will get. Yeah. As but, for the rest of high-speed wins. Mm-hmm. As for the rest of high-speed wins, Cyhawk swimming is happening tonight at uh, Byer Hall at Iowa State. We'll give results next week's. We'll give the results next week to those who are too lazy to check the results on Insta, but you still decide to listen to me. So the Cyhawk series currently, the team out east has wins in soccer, football, wrestling, and women's basketball. We have volleyball, both cross-country teams, and now we have men's basketball. Score is 9-8 to eight in the series. Uh, right now, right now uh, football, football is worth three. That should be noted. That's why they're leading by one. So right now there's still swimming, gymnastics, tennis, and softball that need to be played to end out the series. So I I have hope I have high hopes for swimming because we were dom- we were dominant last year. I don't I don't foresee any more changes right. this year. Right, and in order for or sorry, in order for Iowa State to uh, win the series, it's going to uh, require us to win three out of this last four because if we split the series, then the team out east will win the series by one point. Yes. Uh, softball, I'd say, is a toss-up. Gymnastics is a toss-up. Tennis should be dominant because, because like if you've seen if you've seen tennis last year, there has there has been uh, many changes to tennis this year. I was gonna say we had a coaching change, didn't we? We did have a coaching change, and a lot of players or a lot of tennis people transfer. But I'm sh- I'm sure I'm sure we're still dominant. All right, um, let's go to pro sports real quick. Um, we don't have a whole lot to talk about with the NFL right now, considering the Vi- the uh, the Vikings and the Bears just got off their bye week. Um, but the Vikings will be at the Raiders this week. I would think that they're able to get a win 
against the Raiders. I don't really trust the Raiders to win as far as I can throw them. Oh, no. But Raiders are mid. If the Vikings can solve their turnover problem, I think they can walk out of this one. It's not a guaranteed win by any means. Um, but having Justin Jefferson slated to return will definitely help them. Yeah. Um, you know, it never hurts to have a weapon on the offense. Mm-hmm. So, um, Bears also coming off the bye. They're uh, they're going to be against the Lions. So, watch the Lions lose this one. Detroit, if he loses this one, oh my goodness. No, Detroit's not going to lose this one. Demo's going to walk all over him. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Demo's going to walk all over him. Uh, that's pretty much all there is to really be said about that, unless Tyson Bajent decides to play a bizarrely good game or something for Chicago, which I guess we can't even rule that out at this point because um, Chicago keeps finding a way to surprise us with wins that don't make any sense. So um, at this point, yeah, I guess you can't really rule it out. Even though I'm ruling it out, I'm not ruling it out. But Detroit's going to win, I think. You can tell I'm being indecisive. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Green Bay, I don't like you. You beat Kansas City. No, why'd you do that to Matt? Yeah. Don't beat my Chiefs like that. You're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. No. I- I'm mad at you, Green Bay. Yeah. I don't know. What does Green Bay bet on these past few games? Because, uh, yeah, NFC North, like, is really that mid to make any sense. The Green Bay Packers, collectively as a team, are on whatever Aaron Rodgers is on to fix his <laughs> Achilles. Because oh yeah, no, the Green Bay went from being terrible to being 500 now, and they're going to be at the Giants this week. So yeah. they're I think they're they're going to be above 500 after this week, almost certainly. I think the Packers wanted some of that, but no, this this past game was like Kansas Kansas City. Like the the game stats were pretty balanced. Like with both teams, it was like both teams had the ball for almost the exact same time, like the exact first downs was only one difference. Yeah, total yards was almost entirely the same. Yeah, uh, Kansas City had a little bit more in in the run game, but they had less in the pass game, so yeah. it, it balanced out. Um, I mean the the biggest difference that I saw was that Green Bay did not turn the ball over in that game, yeah. and Kansas City did. Yep, just once, just the one turnover, but that. That can be the difference maker. It really can be. When you look at the team stats for this game, it was closer than what the score indicated. Um, yeah, no, 27 to 19. I mean, that's, that is still a one-possession game to at least get it to overtime, but it doesn't really look all that close. But when you look at the team stats, this was actually a very tight game. Yeah. But Kansas City just could not finish. Um, and going into this week, uh, the Chiefs, are not going to have Isaiah Pacheco. He has been ruled out uh, as of the injury report earlier today. Um, So he's already been missing a few practices. I hope to see him back next week, but it's going to be a little bit difficult not having him this week because he is the heart of that ground game. Depends depends on how bad the injured shoulder is. So Yeah, which hopefully it's nothing too serious, but – We'll, uh, we'll find out more definitely in the next week or so. Um, and against the Bills, uh, the Chiefs need a bounce-back game, and they, they can't continue to allow the sacks that they have been. That was one of the problems that they had against Green Bay, too, is that they allowed three sacks. Um, and those are, sacks are drive killers, yep. especially if they happen. You know, you, you start marching down the field a little bit. 
And if you have a sack that takes you out of field goal range or something like that, then you just put on a whole bunch of work. You wasted a whole bunch of time. You got a bunch of yards. It all went for nothing. So you gotta, you can't allow sacks, and don't shoot yourself in the foot with penalties. Both teams had a handful of penalties in that last game, but that's something that the Chiefs can definitely fix. Um, just better performance from the offensive line. Um, basketball, uh, NBA Timberwolves. I got you to the Timberwolves. Uh, previously, they had wins against the Hornets and the Spurs. They're really they're currently on a five game winning streak. Although Spurs did kind of give them a little scare. Uh, they do they do continue to stay dominant through the Northwest uh, standard, or standards. Yeah, I saw ESPN release their power rankings. Was it yesterday or today? And they've got the Timberwolves up to second on there right now. I mean, their defense is just smothering. They play better defense than anybody in the league, and it's not even remotely close. Yeah, this this past game was was a little bit more more of a less scoring game. Yeah. A lot of their games are low scoring. This is what the, this is what the identity they built this team on. Yeah. So upcoming, they got the guts at the Grizzlies, at the Pelicans, and at the Mavericks. So they'll be traveling a lot. All right, uh, Milwaukee Bucks in the last week uh, wins versus the Hawks. Uh, just regular reg, uh, regular season game. Uh, Knicks was the in-season tournament quarterfinal. They won that game. They put on an offensive clinic, winning that game 146 to 122. And that was that's a regulation score, 146 points in regulation. They were not missing shots that night. Um, and then uh, just yesterday, lost to the Pacers, 128-119, which sets up a Pacers-Lakers final for the NBA Cup. Now, I enjoyed this game very much because, as y'all know, I'm a Bulls fan. So seeing the Bucks lose puts a smile on my face. And seeing ISU alum Tyrese Halliburton put the dagger in the game over the Bucks just made it even better. It was pure joy. I enjoyed that moment a lot. And I'm really enjoying seeing uh, Halliburton perform well, you know, game in, game out over the course of the year. He's, you know, he's making a case to be the NBA MVP this year. And uh, if Brock Purdy keeps playing well at the San Francisco 49ers, uh, you know, uh, as, as their quarterback, we could see the possibility of having the NBA and NFL MVPs from the f- same school for the first time ever. Because um, they would be both from, you know, right here in Iowa State. So that would, be, uh, that would be an incredible thing for Iowa State to be able to claim having NBA and NFL MVPs in the same year. Now, come to Iowa State. You know, you know, I don't see, I don't see the team out east coming, coming at us like that. Nope. Um, and then upcoming for the Bucks, they've got games uh, versus the Bulls and Pacers in this next week. Uh, yeah, that Pacers rematch will be interesting. I kind of don't think the Bucks are going to lose that one. Uh, they, the Bulls also won their last game against the Bucks, so I think the Bucks might be a little bit mad at the Bulls too. Um, they're, uh, the Bucks are probably going to win the next couple games. Uh, Bulls, uh, in their previous week, uh, win versus the Pelicans and win versus the Hornets. Uh, they'd also had a win versus the Spurs prior to that. Uh, it's a nice change of pace for me to actually see the Bulls winning some games, to actually get consecutive games three in a row. This is the first time all season they have three wins in a row, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Is it going to continue much longer? Probably not. Um, now they're going to be playing the Spurs again here, so they will probably get a win there. But uh, after that, they got the Bucks and the Nuggets, 
and I don't see any way that the Bulls don't lose to either of those teams. Uh, they'll also have a game against the Heat after that. And Zach Levine's going to be out another three to four weeks with his foot injury. So it's uh, it's going to be a rough stretch probably for the Bulls here coming up. Uh, let's talk some hockey. Minnesota Wild here in the last week wins versus the Blackhawks 4-1 to one, and at the Flames 5-2 to two before losing to the Canucks, uh, getting shut out 2-0. So, I mean, right when it seemed like they finally figured out offense, they get shut out. I guess that's hockey, though. There's just randomness to it, and that's one of the things that'll happen. Um, but things are moving in the right direction for them after their coaching change. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's definitely good news for them. Um, yeah, upcoming, they've got, uh, they've got a game at the Oilers, at the Kraken, and versus the Flames. The, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks here in this last week, loss at the Jets 3-1, loss at the Wild 4-1, loss versus the Preds 4-3, and then finally beating the Ducks 1-0. Seriously, you're going to get a win, and it's got to be against my Ducks. <laughs> do better. Or not. Don't do better. Just, just be bad. Beat the other teams, but lose to the Ducks. Do that for me. Um, yeah, no. The Blackhawks now have the worst record in the NHL. They've somehow fallen behind the Sharks. Explain to me how that one works. I mean, the Sharks are bad. You look at their the point differential between the Sharks and the Blackhawks. Now, the Sharks have what is far and away the worst point differential in the NHL. I think it's minus 56, and the Blackhawks is minus 29. Blackhawks is second worst. That's how big the disparity is right now in point differential. It's insane. Vinny's back there shaking his head at me. <laughs> um, yeah, no. The Sharks are a very bad team right now. They can't play defense. They've allowed like 111-something goals on the year. Yeah. And the Blackhawks, are the, they're not the next worst on defense. There are teams that have uh, they are getting close to that 100 goals allowed threshold already. But uh, But they beat the Ducks. Yeah, no. Sorry, don't do that. Don't beat the Ducks. Let the Ducks win. The Ducks need wins. Um, yeah. The, uh, the Blackhawks' offense, though, the reason their point differential is so bad is the Blackhawks' offense. Uh, it's pitiful. Only 60 goals so far in the season. That's, that's really, really bad. Um, and then upcoming, they've got chances to right the ship here against the Blues and the Capitals before taking a road trip to Edmonton and playing the Oilers. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening for them. I got you for Blues. Uh, previous week, they had a loss against the Coyotes and the Golden Knights, but they did have a, a win against uh, the Golden Knights uh, earlier in the week. Now, the last loss to the Golden Knights, 6-3. to three. This last one, St. Louis came to play like right at the beginning, and then they I feel like they just fell asleep. They fell asleep second and third periods. Uh because I feel like they decided to put up half as many shots as Vegas. Well, when you can't get the puck on the other side of the ice in order to get shots off, when you're constantly in your defensive zone, uh, yeah, no, the, the dynamic in that game just wasn't going well. They were they were being outskated the entire game. So, um, but yeah, they are, stack division. Yeah, they are stack division. Uh, third to last in the division with a winning record. Like I don't really hear that very often, but they're right. They are right behind uh, Nashville and Arizona. Yeah, they, well, they're right behind Arizona. They if they'd beat Arizona, they'd be ahead of them. Yeah. But uh, no, they lost in 
Arizona's, you know, uh, makeshift ice arena <laughs> at Arizona State that holds like 3,000 people because there is no actual large arena in Arizona that wants them or can hold them because yeah. uh, Desert Diamond Arena doesn't want them. Glendale don't want them. And then while in theory they can foot, fit in the Footprint Center in Phoenix, it uh, that arena was designed to be basketball only, and the viewing angles for hockey there are atrocious. Um, they have to block off some of the seating because the second deck overhangs. Yeah. So imagine, that, uh, imagine not being liked by your own state to have to have uh, hockey. I'm I'm interested to see what the possibilities are for uh, Arizona potentially moving uh, to another city yeah. and leaving the Phoenix Metro. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't surpri- be surprised if they relocated. There's there's been some interesting talks as far as potential cities that they might go. Uh, Salt Lake City's been thrown around a bit. Um, uh, Houston is one that I think I've found particularly intriguing, uh, as well as Kansas City uh, and Atlanta. And Atlanta, yeah, yeah, Vinny's back there telling me he wants Atlanta back. <laughs> um, yeah, no, A- Atlanta would be an interesting one to bring back, although Atlanta struggled to support an NHL team twice now. So I'm not really sure that NHL wants to try that one a third time. But uh, Houston would be an interesting one to see if they want to try to throw one down there. It's one of the largest uh, media markets in the country. Um, So that would be an interesting spot. Kansas City's got a great arena that they can hold it in. And it's a pro sports town. They love the Royals and they love the Chiefs down there. So... They uh they theoretically might be able to take an NHL team and build it into a decent franchise. Um, SLC has been clamoring for one. Uh, I don't really know a whole lot about SLC's arena. Um, whether or not that's whether or not it can hold. Uh, I would assume if they want it real bad, it must be able to uh, hold a nice sheet. It must not be a basketball only facility, but. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll see what ends up happening with the Coyotes because right now I can't see them staying in Arizona for long. They're not going to uh, stay financially feasible playing at Mullet Arena. No, they will never thrive off of that. They won't They won't be able to. You have to have ticket sales, and they just can't sell enough tickets at Mullet Arena to be uh, viable. So, um, But that'll be, that'll be an interesting uh, – Thing to wait out here and see what ends up happening with the with the coyotes because if they uh if they were to move to kansas city well then we'd have another uh team to cover here on the cornfield sports pod oh, so boy. and uh that would uh that would certainly shake things up so bring 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 their fan base into into right to make uh, make them make them listen to us yeah that's no that's, 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 trying to say. that's an idea right there um but yeah, let's uh, let's close the show out with that. Follow the Cornfield Sports Pod on Twitter at C Sports Pod. Uh, find Blake at Blake Attack one eight four six. You can find me at the Menson Minute, and of course find Vinny at Venatius D twenty three. Tap that follow button on Spotify or that plus button on Apple. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Rumble. This is Blake Peterson. I'm Matt Menson. Our producer is Vinny Cataldo, and this has been the Cornfield Sports Pod.